0: I'm your host, Stephen Gutteridge, and welcome to Mid-South Moments. We welcome a new and very special guest host to the show today, my travelling companion and brother from a different mother. Uh, Travelling companion for many years and adventures across North America, Lewis Williams is here. Lewis, how are you doing? Yeah, not bad. Thanks for having me. So just to go through the numbers here, you and I have attended 33 wrestling events together. This took in 10 US states, two Canadian provinces, thousands and thousands of miles in North America, also the UK, and memories to last a lifetime. We did seven WrestleManias in a row together between 2001 and 2007. And we made it back to Houston in 2009 for another, and then we even sprinkled a Royal Rumble on top in 2013. So I'm going to take you back, way, way back, to the night of WrestleMania 2000. And you probably can't remember this, but I can remember it well. We are sat in my parents' living room and the advert for the Astrodome WrestleMania came on where they said, oh, we're going to sell over 100,000 tickets to this WrestleMania, which they didn't because it didn't fit 100,000. So I'm not sure what that was all about. But I said, "Said we're well, going to go to WrestleMania next year. It's a bit of a pipe dream thing. So you and I were both still at college or, or kind of school, I suppose high school age in the States. Um, and we, we managed to do it. So October, November that year, I think I put a call into you. I was like, what do you think? You were like, all right, let's, let's, let's buddy do it. Uh, I remember getting the tickets on dial-up internet back then uh, in like, October, November 2000. <laughs> so what did it mean to you as a Brit? So we flew over there. I mean, we were, we were queuing, up, queuing up outside the Astrodome on a beautiful day in Houston. What did it mean to you to be at WrestleMania, having sort of grown up watching wrestling as a wrestling fan, to, to be there, kind of out of our element and, and in the States for a wrestling show?
1: Yeah, we were very much out of our element. Um, it was very surreal, and I, I don't know. I suppose it didn't really kick in for me. It didn't kick in until, um, Austin and rock started. Yeah. Um, in terms of like the atmosphere, the gravitas. Um, but yeah, I suppose, you know, it's a boy, a boyhood dream. And I, I tried not to get too excited on, you know, plane trip over there and staying up the night before and all that kind of stuff. But as I said, once we were sat and, uh, those, those two gentlemen's music hit, it was on.
0: Yes, um, yeah. And you're very, a big Rock likely. fan and I was a big Austin fan all, all, always. So it was very much, uh, you know, uh, uh, your favourite. Oh, oh, Rock's your all-time favourite, I'd say, is it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think Austin is, I sometimes go back and forth it between him and Bret Hart, but I think Austin probably is my all-time favourite, I'd say. I mean, he, I think he, I credit him with sort of bringing me back to wrestling when mm. I kind of, well, certainly the WWF, when I was kind of some, certainly mo- sort of moved away from it. We didn't have the most incredible seats that first WrestleMania because we were kind of probably the back of the second tier of the bowl. So I remember early on, it like it took a little bit of time to get into it because we were quite a long way away. But then I think mm-hmm. things picked up after that hardcore match, didn't they? And then I think after that, yeah. it was pretty, it was pretty good, good going. Um,
1: yeah, I've, I mean, I think we had um, our posters that we were trying to show, and there was also yeah. I think kids in close situ, which were a little distracting. Yes, there and were. The That's- yeah, were well, the seats were, were they wooden and like really tight? Was um, that the they were, was I'm it? not sure
0: about wo- they might have had wooden edges, but they were quite tight because Astrodome wasn't a particularly new building. So um, though it was it was spectacularly lit and everything, by the time we went back to Houston in 2009, it was you know pretty much derelict. So I think it's been knocked down now. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was it was quite you know, it was quite a surreal thing and, and we did, I mean, we were just two kids. I was 19, I think you were 18, weren't you, in terms of going over this, so we weren't even, you know, legally old enough to drink and we pretty much spent the whole trip in that, either in that motel room uh, which was <laughs> dreadful because I, I completely blundered with that. I was just like, Back in, I think I, it was before the days of, I'm sure Google was a thing. But I think I Yahoo searched that. And it's like it's hotels near the Astrodome, that definitely wasn't. I think it was about a $40 one way cab journey every time we went to Astrodome. And it was like, I think it was Denny's for lunch and dinner. I oh, know, sorry, it wasn't Denny's, it was Wendy's for lunch and dinner. Denny's is when you convinced me to walk to one because you'd seen one. It was about an hour, hour and 15 minutes walk in 90 degree temperatures uh, to get there. And we were, I thought we were going to die when we got there through heat exhaustion.
1: Um, Everybody, he literally thought he was going to die. I recall you saying that.
0: <laughs> but that that WrestleMania, I mean, the thing is, you, you always remember your first, and I think we were fortunate enough to get probably the best WrestleMania of all time in, in our first. I think we spent a lot of years chasing that thereafter, didn't we?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's more um, everyone's favourite WrestleMania for those who were more Austin. And I was always down the middle, I loved both, but knowing that they were, you know, the top guys, it was always inevitable that they were going to uh, collide. And in my own rock fan kind of way, it's not my favourite WrestleMania just because of the fact that he lost, but the way in which he lost. And it was almost Austin being like the, the, the absolute ultra kind of like anti, anti-face, if you want to call it that because he was so loved he was so over but he was doing whatever he had to do just to get the belt it was crazy
0: yeah, it was a huge mistake. I tell you what was even worse than that turn—the turn a few months later at the Invasion Pay Per View, where he went back heel after turning face—was was which I've we've reviewed recently on the show was was just really 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 awful. And I think that's probably the start of the decline for the company. So we we did the WrestleMania on the Sunday, um, which is just the mo- one of the most phenomenal experiences. Probably the best experience of my entire life up to that point, I would say. Um, certainly wrestling-related. Um, and then the next night we flew to uh, or next morning we flew to Fort Worth for Raw, which was an absolutely rabid atmosphere in uh, the Fort Worth Convention Centre. Um, mm. do, do you remember much about that? that I can remember no, certain something about that night, but I can't you know, remember too much about that. We sat in a bar pretty much all day, again, not being able to drink, waiting for the show, because I planned it so badly we got there way too early.
1: I don't even remember any of
0: that. Do you know? have do to you, me so you not, Okay, so basically, I don't know whether it was because I was too cheap to get a hotel in uh, Fort Worth the night or Dallas-Fort Worth, as it was, airport but we basically stayed up all night in the airport and got like a 6am oh, flight yeah, back yeah. out of uh, so I assumed that because the, the big airports here like Gatwick and Heathrow and stuff you've got you've got stuff that you can do pretty much I think if you were stuck there all night there'd be like a bar open or there'd be something you could do be like an arcade or something. But actually that airport, I'm sure it's a huge airport, but we were just stuck in like a little departure gate with like literally nothing open. There wasn't a shop open. And we were both, I don't think either of us had a jumper with us it was pretty cold in there with the air conditioning. we were just lying on the floor until like 5am. And I remember the next day we were just completely like, completely out of it all day and ended up, I think the only time we got out of bed was to get the pizza hut that we delivered to our room. And that was it oh, basically yeah. for the whole day. So the whole day was like a complete wipeout. But that that roar was really spectacular because that was like the, the, the aftermath of the Austin turn. Um, but the crowd was still really for him. And that was the, the end when Triple H came out and crowd erupted and everyone thought he was going to turn on, you know, turn baby face, but then went with, went with Austin. And that was the end of the rock for... Uh, a number of months, he didn't come back until uh, just before Summerslam 2001. So fast mm. forward, we're going to we're going to whiz through these WrestleManias as 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 uh, as, uh, as we went through them as we went many years back. But the year afterwards, um, we made it two out of two in Toronto for another another really big match. And I always tell people about the story about you in in the Sky Dome for Hogan versus Rock because I remember and I can't remember exactly whether it was right at the start of the match or when Hogan. Kicked out of something, probably rock bottom or people. So I can't remember the finish now. But the whole crowd, like everyone from the lowest point in that Skydome to the literally the, the worst seat in the whole place, was losing their mind. And I looked at you and I almost thought I could see, like, obviously, we all know it's predetermined. Your eyes mm. were wide. It's almost like you had a fear in your heart and your mind that this is going to be that Hulk Hogan is going to beat your favorite, The Rock, here at Skydome. What, what are your memories of that, of that one and that yeah. experience
1: in Toronto? that is the one for me for so many different reasons from, you know, going to the States a couple of times in my youth with my parents, Texas, you know, the year before with you, you know, breaking into that, that new experience of uh, living the, the, the boyhood dream. And then we went kind of, North of North America, and it was Canada, and it was like America, but a different thing. And trying to get to grips with all of oh, that. Oh yeah,
0: it absolutely was. It was it was like a hybrid, wasn't it? It was very. I know, yeah. oh, we had the Montreal stuff in there, which we'll talk about in a second. But yeah, so carry on. Yeah.
1: And, and knowing that the Montreal thing was coming up with the screwdriver in mind, so there was that in, in in the backdrop of my mind and thinking. You know, growing up, Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior were the staple of the WWF for me mm. and my family and. You know, that's that their, their energy and their prominence um, in the promotion at that time was what kept me in wrestling. Because I, I, I haven't been um, as devout with it as you've been over the years. Um, and I know that you've you know, looked at other promotions, but for me, those guys were really the WWF. So a few years it dropped off, attention came back with the Attitude Era. So to have my top guy from the Attitude Era versus the top guy from you know the the traditional era it was it was mind boggling and i was really scared like which way the booking of it was going to go um and so i can't remember what it was but i think it was when hulk maybe started to hulk up
0: yeah i think it was the hulk um, up spot it was the hulk up spot just, remember, i've never seen anything it, like
1: it yeah yeah like the 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 uh crowd reaction and atmosphere it was very much attitude era um you know j r king On commentary, all the fans knowing their role, um, you know, proper crowd reaction to um, faces and um, heels. And again, it was a little bit of a hybrid because you didn't know whether someone was going to turn or, and then you had The Rock starting to kind of fight dirty to kind of you know, I'll tell you what, not line. to interrupt, but the, the
0: Rock in that match, and, and he hadn't been around, I think everyone forgets with The Rock. Uh, if The Rock came along now, he'd probably be stuck in NXT for eight years, something before he made, made the main roster. The Rock oh, yeah. debuted in the WF at the Survivor Series in 96. So you're talking about less than six years after that. He, he wasn't, you know, he was, he's a lot of main events, but in terms of actual years, he wasn't, you know, super, super, super experienced. And he read yeah. that crowd and he had the confidence in his own ability that if he healed it up in that match, which he did, that would have no impact on him going forward. And that was one of the, like, I think The Rock is, obviously The Rock's one of the most incredible all-round performers in the history of the business, but his in-ring stuff, his in-ring psychology is really underrated. And he read it that night and he did exactly what he said. Yeah,
1: yeah definitely. And so, just, you know, the fallout of that and with the little bit of NWO icing on the top and the turn and it was just um my my WrestleMania highlight without a shadow of a doubt. Um and I can't thank, you know, WWE for the foresight to put that match together because, you know, it's 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 been um, my highlight definitely. So that's your favourite match of all time, would you say Hogan Rock? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. That's not for, you know, me, I'm a um a lover of you know the Matt wrestling the shoot wrestling the Roman Greco you know with regards to those guys who were always doing it properly Eddie Guerrero, Dean Malenko, Co Angle and, and such. But in terms of the entertainment, um and the, the crowd reaction, which really what wrestling is, I, I think in the new era they're doing well with it, with COVID and stuff. But back then, you know, you needed the crowd reaction as of we course, get on yeah with other WrestleManias, but it it was at its best then. And I don't think it's ever been replicated. I've not seen it better than that, that night.
0: No, I I think the only, the only crowd reactions that I think got close to that, there's a really underrated one that we were at, which we'll talk about a WrestleMania 22 with Cena and Triple H, and maybe uh, CM Punk and Cena at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view in 2011. Um, Mm. But yeah, I think that in terms of, in terms of pure wrestling atmosphere, that's 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 that you know that's that's perfection really and it was yeah. an odd night because actually the promotion was in was unraveling a little bit by that point and actually the rest of the cards didn't really work i think the Undertaker and rick flair match was was decent but apart from that it was uh it was pretty forgettable especially in the main event and um, we talked yeah. earlier on we touched on it obviously we went to i mean we, again we're still kids at this point i think that you know we're uh you know we're, we're men in our late 30s now but if you if you, rewind the clock. We were 20 and 19 on that second trip. So we're not worldly wise at all. Neither of us went to university or anything like that here. So we're, you know, we're just talking about, you know, parents, holidays and the odds, lads trip, etc. Some party resort in Europe. So this yes. is all new mm-hmm. to us. I remember getting on that flight to Montreal and getting off and everyone speaking French. It's like this is, I, I mean, I knew this was coming, but it just blew my mind. And also... Yeah. We happened to go to Montreal in the middle of an absolute blizzard as well. I remember; I don't think either of us... We might have had a coat with us, but it wasn't particularly... It wasn't fit for purpose, that, and some trainers.
1: If my memory serves, I had a grey puffer jacket. Yeah. Because I knew, you know, just Canada is going to be cold at some point. And I remember lugging it around and thinking, oh, this is such a pain to carry until that day when I think I heard a snowplough coming behind me. And um, it almost killed me because you know <laughs> in the states you've got jaywalking, but there there must be some unwritten rule of how to navigate roads and pavements because I think you said Lewis like get out of the way, and I remember kind of like jumping onto a mound of um of snow. But um, yeah, <laughs> we, we got dropped off at the
0: hotel. We had to walk to the what was then the Molson Centre to get our tickets, and it was probably like a fifteen minute walk or something, wasn't it? And it was absolutely yeah. – I, I remember I had, a, I had a kicker's fleece on, is what I was wearing, and uh, no, no. no coat with trainers. And I remember, and we, we walked there, and we were absolutely covered in snow. And I think we got a taxi back the other way. So I can't do that again. And then we just camped out in the hotel until it was time for the time for the show. And actually, that was the first year that we ended up going uh, doing the, the three nights in a row. So we did um, the SmackDown in Ottawa the night the night afterwards. Mm. But yeah, really good, really good fun trip. So um, moving forward. Again, three, three out of three. Um, we made we made it back to WrestleMania for Seattle for WrestleMania nineteen, which is which is probably one of the stronger WrestleMania cards. Um, but felt like a real changing of the guard that night. Obviously, you had the, the heel rock character that was, which was super um, beating Austin, which was like a like a punch in the gut for me. I'm sure that was very enjoyable for you for the final. But what what an enchanted... I think we both look back. Um, I think we remember. I remember we being in in, in a, like an internet room on, on the Monday in the hotel that we were in. Um, and reading online that Austin like was legit done I think I think that's how we found out and I can't remember that was do you know what, I think that was after Raw actually thinking about it I think they had the angle on Raw written, they wrote him off basically and the next day it was like yeah he's legitimately done basically yeah. um, but that WrestleMania 19 that was we, we, we did the old WWE travel package the first time and sat second row was it, I think? Yep, 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 yeah, yep. second row behind that. So we are on, we're all over that WrestleMania in terms of TV time. Um, yeah, what do, you, what do you remember about, I mean, Safeco Field is one of the most spectacular buildings I've ever seen anything in, with the kind of half inside, half outside. But what, was your, what were your memories of that, of that WrestleMania? Um,
1: that's my second favourite WrestleMania. Um, in the respect that, with the top guys that were my favourite, um, you know, seeing that match, having the speculation, um, the way The Rock dealt with him—it. Let me rephrase that. The way Austin allowed The Rock to deal with him in the pre-determined sense—it uh, was no better way to go out, and as The Rock said the night after, I think the night after was Rock Appreciation Night when he said, "You know, yes. who, you know, Steve, don't feel bad. Like, who better to lose to than the absolute best the wrestling in what your world has ever seen?" Um, and and the way The Rock so with an exception of him overselling the Stunners which I've still never been a fan of um, that Jericho Michaels those were the two matches which really uh, stick in my mind for 19 yeah and obviously
0: Lesnar nearly killing himself at the end as well and Hogan and McMahon
1: as well Hogan McMahon was amazing based on who they were what they were in terms of age and stuff but I don't know I don't really the the Lesnar match okay obviously I was worried about him but I don't know it just felt like Anchor was carrying him for a lot of that match Oh, I think I, he, I think he was.
0: But Angle was Angle was in really bad shape as well. So that, so Angle was was supposed to be going in for the, the the really severe neck surgery that Edge and Benoit and people like that had had. Um, but then he had a, a kind of a different type of surgery and was back within three or four months, which probably in retrospect was a mistake. Um, but yeah, I remember Angle. I nearly pulled him out of that match. Actually, Angle. That's how hurt he was. And um, it was just like, mm-hmm. I wanted. And I suspect now there's no way he would have been in there. Um, no but yeah, way. it was quite. It was quite the WrestleMania. But it's obviously sad that Steve Austin has gone. That rock appreciation. I was talking about that on another podcast. I was on a, a week or so ago. That um, that was a night. I know you were cheering him, but the majority, probably ninety percent of that crowd in Nakia in, in Arena, Seattle, were booing him out of the building. He came out, got attacked by Goldberg. Goldberg's debut at the end, and then he stayed mm-hmm. around after Raw went off the air, and he was so good. Everyone, and I mean everyone in that crowd, was chanting Rocky, Rocky by the end of it and that night. Yeah. He, he, that, that's one of the most incredible performances I've ever seen from anybody. Just pure mm. comedic gold, and just like, yeah, what a, what a pleasure that was to be, be there in Seattle that, that night.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I, for me, that was the moment I think where from a wrestling ring he legitimized his Hollywood career. I appreciate he went off beforehand, uh, with Scorpion King and whatnot, but. That can that crowd control mm. and that self confidence and you know the overall ability to cut a promo and 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 put people over in the ring and just everything like that was to me as good as I was gonna get from the rock with regards to like the old heel rock. Yes. He's my favorite rock, you know, who feuded with Ken Shamrock and all that kind of stuff. I, I didn't get to see him perform in that character version of himself. But that rock appreciation night was as close as it was. Yeah. And, you know, I'm glad I witnessed that.
0: And and again, props to The Rock for allowing himself to play a heel on TV during this, during this fledgling. Because he, he was around until uh, Backlash and then he was gone again until WrestleMania 20 and that was it. So this guy was almost out the door here and he's like, no, actually, I've got the confidence in myself that this is not going to impact me. And lots of people wouldn't have done that. So again, mm. um, I probably wasn't standing at the time, but looking back, <laughs> you know, incredible. So the following year was a really big one for us both. So this is New York City, WrestleMania 20, uh, Madison Square Garden, we're ringside again, third row. Um, really, I think the dream of all dreams. We all saw, both saw Madison Square Garden shows growing up. We obviously saw WrestleMania 10. We've seen videotape WrestleMania 1. But looking on it, look, looking back on it now, um, it's just a bit of an old feeling, isn't it? Um, with the, an an we met we met Chris Benoit on the Saturday and had a photo taken with him. And now it just feels the Eddie stuff is super sad, and and the Benoit stuff is is really difficult. What 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 are your sort of overriding memories of that?
1: General, generally just disappointment. Um, again, a bit like you, the the energy and the history around New York, uh, Madison Square Garden, all of that is still intact in terms of um, you know glad I've done having, having been glad I've done it But
0: yeah it's pure bucket list but there's an asterisk yeah, isn't like there yeah
1: Lesnar and and um, Goldberg uh, they did exactly what they were meant to do on the team but the crowd maybe it's because we never sat in a New York crowd before but for me the crowd kind of killed it and it just like they weren't popping when they were meant to pop and it was all over the place and I just remember thinking, well, what's wrong with these people?
0: Oh, it's the power of the internet, wasn't it? People knew that Goldberg was leaving, and, and people knew that Lesnar had, had handed his basically handed his notice in. And it was the first, you know, match where, well, I'm sure there's probably other examples of this, but certainly not high profile, where the crowd just just rejected it. It's like we don't want these guys. Get them out of here. You know, you're not our people, and they and they did, didn't they? Basically,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, it's funny you say that. Whereas now, you've got you know, les and dipping in and out. Um, but back then, I don't know. I just, I just felt it was a, a real anti-climax overall. And I, you'd have to read the card for me to remember the card.
0: Yeah. WrestleMania 20 was not a, not a stellar. It was five hours. The first time they went to five hours, There was a lot of stuff on there. Um, Chris Jericho and Christian was decent. The main the, the two the two world title matches were really good. The triple triple threat match was really strong. But it's just I we we both so, so basically our, our routine uh, for listeners back in the day was that obviously Raw airs in the middle of the night here in the UK, and for years and years and years it would it be on a Friday night. So Lewis would, would you'd come around my parents probably you know two or three weeks out for watch mm. Raw on a Friday night, and then eventually and probably probably around WrestleMania 19 time, I guess it would have been. It went live, didn't it? I think around that sort of time. So typically we would we'd get together on Tuesday after work and watch Raw. Uh, sometimes we'd have spoilers, sometimes we wouldn't. But for both the Eddie Guerrero tribute show and the Chris Benoit one, um, we were together. Like, I remember the Eddie Guerrero one, we were like absolutely crying our eyes out. But then watching the Benoit one was like, we knew what had happened by that point. And it's just like, it's very, 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 very difficult because that was such a such a joyous moment for someone to break through the glass ceiling, and for mm. someone that we all really, we all really, Benoit might not have been in our favourite, but he was always someone that you root for, and you want, you know, you want that upward mobility.
1: I think um, maybe I have blocked it out to be honest, from, you know, because of the um, the heinousness of it all. Because mm. um, just remind me, what was it? Rey Mysterio versus.
0: Benoit, versus- oh no, uh, so Benoit, WrestleMania I 20, was he won the t- He won the world title in the main event with Triple H and Shawn Michaels. So, uh, that, yes, yeah, so that, that was a, yeah. So, we, sorry, we met, sorry, I know where you're, where you're going there. We met Benoit and Rey Mysterio on the Saturday. So, that's the photo that we've got. Oh, yes.
1: Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um,
0: so, the but- show ended with Benoit, Eddie, Benoit's son Daniel in the ring, Nancy, obviously, but- both of those no longer with us. Um All well, all of them aren't. Um, but yeah, that was the that was the things. So it's just like I don't know. I don't. I don't. I occasionally see his matches. Where if I'm having to review a show or something that that he's on, but I can't. I mm. can't say that I would ever put in a Chris Benoit, Chris Benoit match and enjoy it, and you know want to critique it. Cause it's just
1: not. You know, mm. it's just, it's just... I mean, to be fair to me, my my outlook on it now is one where it's a little bit more. um Uh, what's the word calm and indifferent that's the correct word reason being we live in the age of anxiety where mental health is a thing and I think maybe he was one of those people who a bit like Kurt Cobain in the music industry he was one of those people who clearly had stuff going on we just didn't see it and I think you know, everything that came of it. it, it wasn't a normal situation that a normal. It's not like Kurt Angle, where he, you know, he would do that and you'd think, like, it's normal. The it, same as Benoit, like, where is this come from? But you can see that whether it's a wrestler or a musician, these people struggle with stuff, same as us. And I think something just snapped.
0: Well, I think um, with him, is the, the concussions and the brain illness that's and what stuff. I'm and, that, yeah, and that is. So I, know, I completely know what you're you're completely right in that. And none of us will know really ever. I mean, I know there's been studies on his brain and talk about sort of um, his brain being equivalent, like a, a kind of old Alzheimer's type situation. However, I still can't get over the act and the, you know, the brutality and everything that happened. And and I know that, you know, there's a, you know, there's probably some, some reasoning here as to why there's always a reason why someone does something, whether it makes sense or not, but it's just, yeah, it's a challenge. It's a challenge for me, but we, we, To to be on a more positive front, Um, we had a great time at that WrestleMania. And actually, we are infamously in a clip where Jesse the Body Ventura is interviewing Donald Trump. Where we just got back from a hot dog stand, which where there were excellent hot dogs, I seem to remember. And we are all over that interview of Donald Trump. Uh, I think you've got a sign of Lewis in your name, uh, Lewis, and an arrow pointing down which which you did you, as the artist of the two. And then I had Steve on one side and Brett, still my hero, and that's all over WrestleMania 20. So uh, yeah, who knew then that t- Trump would be um, would be president of the United States. In fact, actually, that interview was about him endorsing Jesse Ventura to be president of the United States back in 2004. So uh, a very interesting one. So moving forward, um, the following year, uh, so from, from East Coast to West Coast, is WrestleMania 21, WrestleMania goes Hollywood. Uh, and this is an extended trip for United States because this was uh, a week in Los Angeles uh, with all the all the fun and games that that, that entailed, uh, plus a week in Las Vegas afterwards. Um, and two new champions, and I know you were a big Batista fan. I think you saw something in Batista before, certainly before I did. And I remember you saying to me, uh, you know, in Evolution, that he was the one to look for, and you were a big fan of his. So um, he was he was crowned in a in a pretty spe- pretty special way after a, one of the better storylines that they've done probably ever actually, probably mm. top five, top 10 ever in terms of his slow build. So what are your, yeah. what are your memories of that? Um, a bit in Triple H at uh, that mania and the whole, the whole thing, the whole Staples center experience.
1: That trip was a solid trip for me for the social side and the, you know, the, uh, the fandom hobby wrestling side, because like you've said, I don't know why, but I've always had an eye for, I think all of the wrestlers who've, since gone on to do really big things outside of wrestling. Um, and I would again say that that um, the rock is the best person at that. Um, just from those heel years, cutting those promos, absolute comedy gold. Um, but, you know, Staples Center, um, the WrestleMania that year, it was just overall good fun. And Batista, yeah, okay. um, who's since gone on to, you know, being Guardians of the Galaxy, Marvel Universe, all that kind of stuff. None of that's a surprise to me. Um, actually, let me rephrase that. It's not a surprise in terms of the stardom and the push that WWE gave him, but it's more so a surprise because he was more of a um, a wrestler as opposed to a promoter or being able to cut a promo. He always had a guy to do that. Um, I think when he was in Evolution, Triple H and Ric Flair used to do a lot of the, the promo cuts as such. He was just like the the the, uh, the, the Kevin... Is it Kevin Nash? Kevin Nash of like that. Yeah, stable. like he was
0: to sure Mike was back in the day. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, he was the muscle, do you know what I mean? But mm. um I definitely saw um, you know, the star the star power in him. And him and Triple H being good friends and knowing each other inside and out, I just knew it was it was just a no brainer, A plus B equals C, really. Mm. So yeah.
0: Yeah, that was really good, and I think that trip as a whole was just nice. Even though Los Angeles was a, was a bizarre old place, uh, and some trips on the, <laughs> trips on their subway, which were very, very, very bizarre, but um, we had a great time in that, and we we met some friends in in, uh, in Vegas for a week. Uh, and I think it probably took us about six months to recover from that one. I remember that that was we went out in New York because that was the first time we were old enough, um, and I think we were relatively hungover after a good night out in New York. Uh, and that's all I'm to say about that one. But in uh, uh, in, in Los Angeles. Um, I think that's probably it's probably still top ten hangovers in my entire life. That first night we went out in Santa Monica, when the next day we went out shopping, and I had to go back to the hotel because I thought oh, I was literally this this is going to be the end. I don't know if you remember that at all, but that was. I thought you We were two, two. There's two guys that we met from 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 uh, the UK as well. That were out there. A bit younger than us. Oh yeah, Tom um, and yeah, Tom. I can't. Tom and Sam is it? And I, I felt so, a bit yeah. sorry for them because obviously they weren't getting in anywhere. like we we stayed opposite this place called Busby's in Santa Monica. It was great, really, really great fun. And they couldn't get in, so they were just stuck there. But we sort of stuck together because it was there was some there was it felt like there's a few dicey moments on the street of Los Angeles, but I think it's probably no well, I don't know. So it's probably no worse than the London, but it's probably more the case that we're just not used to, you know, used mm. to it and, and not familiar with our surroundings. But yeah, that was that was a great, a great, great trip. So fast forward twelve months, um we are back again so I can I'm still convincing you every year that this is a good idea to like and actually just 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 to pause it I mean we really both of us we really um, sacrificed a lot because this, this sounds like you know we, we're not we weren't earning incredible money back then and this was you know savings plans you know, missing out on going out, missing out on other holidays. This was really our focus for the entire year to the point where actually I would send Lewis a text message every morning with like the countdown to WrestleMania and how many days left. And it was just like, I think through all of our trials and tribulations, every 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 20-year-old guy and 20s, 20-year-old male or female has, you know, tough times definitely. And this was the thing that the shining beacon of light for us both that, that kept us going throughout all this, all this time. So 22 in Chicago was um, was a short and sweet show. I think we were there for five nights, weren't we? But uh, yeah, it was uh, it was an incre- it, was, it was it was it was probably an underrated WrestleMania and it was mainly a good night because the crowd in in the All State arena was incredible. And that, that includes the scene Triple H match, where again the second year running Triple H put someone over really strong um, and I remember the reaction of the crowd looking back on the, on the video of it and they panned the crowd and it's just like, I think a guy's like, what the F has just happened kind of thing. And it's like the mm. crowd could not believe what happened. What are your memories of uh, of 22 in Chicago as a whole?
1: To be honest, the social side of it is more, more fitting than the actual event. Remind me of the card.
0: So uh, it was uh, Randy Orton, Kurt Angle, Rey Mysterio for the World Heavyweight title and Rey Mysterio one, And then um, yeah. Cena beat Triple H with the... Uh, SCF uh, to retain the WWE championship in the main event. Apart from yeah, that, oh, that, and also you had Edge and Edge and Mick Foley with the flaming table as well.
1: Oh, that was amazing. Yeah. yeah. So I'd say that the Edge Foley and Mysterio all um, uh, that triple threat. That those were the highlights of that one for me. Um, just because you know Ray got his first push really uh, for top top tier guys. Yes. Um, yeah. And. Yeah, just an overall. Chicago was just an overall good trip. Though
0: I did get rushed to hospital and I got back with a, a suspected appendicitis, but the idiots didn't take it out and they left it in there, and it was finally removed from my body twelve years later. So at the end of a, another WrestleMania trip, actually, funny enough. But there we go. Yeah, <laughs> they should have got it out of me. Not. I was not in a good state on that plane on the way back. So yeah, mm. not good. Uh, So WrestleMania 23, the end of an era. So we knew going into this that we certainly weren't going to WrestleMania 24. Unfortunately, life was starting to get in the way of these trips a little bit. Um, And actually, this was we 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 actually flew down to Las Vegas for a couple of days. I wasn't very well at the start start of that bit of the trip. It was just a bit flat, wasn't it? I mean, we went to a UFC in Manchester just after this. Didn't we, which, mm. is, which was kind of that, like another, another follow-up trip we've gone on a new one. I remember saying to you, like, this was this was everything that that trip should have been, kind of thing. We had a great night out mm. in Manchester. But yeah, this was, I think, at this point, everyone had probably accepted Cena before this. But I think at this point, it was like the real, realization when he beat Michaels in the main event and retained the title. It's just like, it didn't feel like a surprise, but it felt really flat coming out of the stadium that night. What are your, do you have any sort of memories of this, of this one in terms of Detroit and, uh, yeah, this WrestleMania. This was the this was the Trump um, hair, Trump and McMahon hair versus hair thing with lashian and Umaga, and that and that one, and not my also, Batista and Undertaker was pretty good on this one, actually. To be fair,
1: yeah, uh, it's probably the least memorable of all of them, and I I, I I would say it was more my issue as opposed to the experience. I think at this stage, I had WrestleMania burnout, mm. and I realised that as you alluded to earlier, I was probably saving half a year's wages. Uh, the other half going on, you know, normal living expenses, living, whatever. And the other half literally going on that so we could do the packages and Big be the time. men.
0: This wasn't cheap. And it's only got more expected. You know, it went; it, yeah. it was cheaper when we first went because flights are much cheaper, but it got worse and worse and worse yeah. every, every single
1: year that went um, by. And I think, I don't know if, you know, anyone... Who has since gone to WrestleMania, done the packages, or you know, followed their childhood dream, holidays or excursions, whatever, have been burnt out. But I, I genuinely got burnt out, and I, as as much as I now wish I could do it again, I, I felt quite bored with it all. Yeah. Um, and well, I went, I I went
0: think... last year. Sorry, sorry, I went last year, and the worst two. Oh, so I did NXT on the f- Friday. New mm-hmm. Japan on the Saturday, WrestleMania on the Sunday and Raw on the Monday. Loved NXT, loved New Japan, hated WrestleMania, hated Raw. So it's like, well, what's the point? It's like you, you're, you it's kind of, I, I know, I felt, I probably didn't feel that burnout so much then, but I certainly mm-hmm. did this this past year cause it's like, I don't, it's almost like, I think for us, we had such good times that it's like, well, the automatic thing was, we're going to do it again. But actually, it's mm-hmm. like, well, it comes a point where, am I getting what I, I'm putting in from these trips is am I getting out I could do I could go see a UFC I could go traveling in Europe I could do this I could do that and that and we weren't for what we were putting into these trips and the sacrifice it probably wasn't quite there towards the end I think
1: but I think it became a tradition um between us really yeah. um and I think that the the social side of you know being young and just exploring the world was also a really big factor like Massively, you said yeah. uh, a few mainians back we've like met friends in Vegas so it wasn't just Two sad young guys going to watch wrestling. We, we made it more. Let me rephrase <clears> that. <throat> you made it way more than that. So just as an example, um, in X Eight when we were in Toronto, we we went and saw the Maple Leaves and oh yeah, um, got that yeah, and, yeah. Uh, the hockey. So it wasn't just you know as I said, just going to watch that event. Yeah, he always made an effort to make the trip. Exponential in and around wrestling, yes, um, yeah, and that's what sort of created the memories. And I, so I think there was a pressure to not miss out on the potential of great memories. Oh, we, we're we, always like, we, we can't miss the year Austin's coming back, we can't be, you know, and that was the yeah. thing that was always
0: around, wasn't it? Yeah,
1: yeah, and that, as you're probably gonna um, um, talk about shortly, we we suffered our own, um, I don't know what the word is, but. It's probably just tough luck in the sense when, oh, know, um, when yeah. it's um, flares, flares, flares thing. We I'm sat together. Thinking. I think we were like
0: two, two, uh, two people that had been dumped by their other half sitting there, I think, with ice cream and too much food in the middle of the night in in April, in uh, either March or April, coming of the date, in 2008, watching WrestleMania 24 and just thinking, what have we done? Uh, we've missed Rick Flair, but it, it just you know it's roll of the dice. You, you think mm. we could have met? We could have missed Austin and Hogan if we if we decide. Sorry, we could have missed. Uh, we didn't. We, we definitely missed Austin and Hogan because that hasn't happened, and we could have missed Hogan and, and Rock. You know, we could have done it a year later, and missed Austin and Rock at the first one. So um, mm. you know, it all it all rolls out. But that is that is probably my biggest wrestling regret not being there for that and maybe the first ECW comeback show but yeah that was a that was a tough night again not a a vintage WrestleMania um overall that that 24 but we did make it back for WrestleMania 25 um which is was probably one of the better in-ring matches that that we've ever seen which was Michaels and Taker. but again that went horribly flat in the main event but again like you said we had a great night out in Houston the first night of that trip so Mm. I do think by then the social the social element of it was was just as important. Um, yeah. But yeah, any memories of that of that WrestleMania 25 and Michaels and Taker and that Randy Orton Triple H match that absolutely stunk out the Reliance Stadium in the main
1: event? Not really, not really. Other than <laughs> what you've said, I mean, like I said, I think at that stage, I felt. And, and I think a lot of people who follow wrestling will probably feel this way, whichever promotion you you, you follow, you almost feel indebted to keep up with it, mm. whether that's going to the events or watching, you know, tuning in. And I haven't um, followed wrestling uh, full-time now for probably the best part of five years, maybe a bit do, longer. Do you watch
0: anything at all? Like, do, do you... yeah.
1: What I watch is what, I think a lot of people in my position watch, which is the highlights of everything on offer. I think Triple H is doing an outst- an outstanding job with um, NXT. I think the turnaround there and what they do, what they're doing, is kind of forced writers and Vince on the SmackDown and Raw side to pull their socks up. And I think at the moment, what I'm seeing as you know little highlights on YouTube. It's now an an era and at a point where it's really doing well again. Um but, you know, it only takes someone getting injured or, you know, a few flat storylines for it to, to revert back. But I would definitely be up for re entering the fold as a fan at this current time. Um not just the WWE, obviously there's the um the AEW and, and, and just the whole landscape seems to be a lot more um a lot more fruitful at the moment. But um yeah, what what I, I think my problem was As I was getting older and, you know, whether it was starting to live on my own or having my first child, all of these things meant that it wasn't fun because I wasn't just saving money. You know, it became, I've got to save money, but there's this to pay and that to pay. And and I think that unless those events were really stand out, um, along with the social side, which probably had limitations because, you know, we weren't single or whatever, I I, I think (laughs) that... I think that going to WrestleMania, I don't know. Tell me what you think. I think going to Wrestle or being a WrestleMania goer at least is a, a young man's sport. <laughs> do you know what? I would,
0: here. if forget the pandemic stuff. If money was no object, and someone said to me, "You can go, you can go to wherever the WrestleMania town is every year, and you can do a couple of indie shows, and you go to WrestleMania." Um, then I would, I would do it. I would, I would, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be averse to getting on a plane and going to do it because I think the experience as a fan in the town it's in is is really good fun. There's lots of wrestling fans. Mm-hmm. Where else you go in life where you can see lots of people roaming about in wrestling wrestling t-shirts? You know, it's just not a thing. Mm-hmm. But that being said, would I? There's not too many things left in wrestling now that I would want to pay a significant chunk of money that meant I couldn't do something else to go and see. And for me, the last thing that, from that was really like, they're really doing the Tokyo Dome. It's like, well, I've it's just done now. And I can't, I'd like to see AEW live at some point. I'm sure they'll be here, but there's not much, you know, there's not, there's not too much mm-hmm. else. Talking about marquee stuff though, our last big event in the States to date, you never know what might happen in the future. Um, was a big one, a really, really big match, and it felt monumental, actually. And, and we were in Phoenix for, what, three nights, so that's how much this meant to us. We were like, because we had the we pretty much had the choice to go, to go to WrestleMania 29 in New York at the stadium, or knowing that The Rock was gonna be challenged to CM Punk, because that's what the, that was decided months in advance, do we do the Royal Rumble instead? And we went for it, and we got CM Punk for the, versus The Rock for the WWE World title at the Royal Rumble in 2013. Unfortunately for us, we went out on a Saturday night and got absolutely obliterated um I think it's the most hungover I've ever seen you and you threw up i think thirteen times during the course of that day which was uh which was quite you remember it don't was, even remember that. it was and it was all your fault as well because you got some some shots I think that were so for our u s listeners and most of the most of the listeners are from the states and I thank you very much for listening but i I'd, I'd never really understood uh what a shot was until I saw an American shot because our shots are pathetic, aren't they? There's tiny, tiny little mm-hmm. amount of alcohol. Whereas shots in in America pretty much are designed to kill you because that's pretty much what it did to us. So we got we got the shots and then the I think the bar bar lady gave us another shot, kind of a shot on the house or something. And then we're just like, yeah, mm-hmm. this is this is. And then pretty much the next five or six hours it's like happier haze. And the next day we woke up on Royal Rumble Sunday with some some issues, but. Thanks the hair of the dogs so a little beer in the state in the in the arena we survived but I thought that you know looking back on that it was a really solid event predictable mm. Raw Rumble we've seen and winning but that's fine like predictable is not always bad and I thought that that CM Punk Rock match was very very good and and to see the Rock back wrestling and winning his last world title that must have meant a lot to you I'd imagine as a you know big Rock
1: fan yeah definitely uh, the fact the fact that he went out. And he's not officially retired per se. I, uh, I wouldn't say that money is something that's going to be going to draw him back. But a bit like the um, Cena feud, I think if there was something like that where someone called him out and you know the timing was right, you never know. But for me, the build-up to it was phenomenal, yes. whereby it, it ties into his whole gimmick of finally The Rock has come back to wherever.
0: That promo um, he cut before the main event. To- Bloody hell! I mean, I'm I'm getting well enough thinking about it. It's just, I mean, I mean, i literally my, my my my. I'm going to go and watch it. In fact, after we're done, but it's just like you're talking about. It was just incredible. What like talking about? No, he didn't need a scriptwriter for that. He didn't need 12 people in a room telling him what to write. That was pure rock, pure emotion from the heart, just absolutely unbelievable. Um, and that finish as well. The finish of that match was so well done. We thought Punk had retained. And they did the little screwy thing where Vince came out, and you know what, it was incredible. Just so, so mm. good. So yeah, so I good. mean,
1: I, I think I remember walking. Well, we were walking past the arena um, or the stadium, rather. The arena. Arena. And, um, yeah, yeah. And I remember looking at like one of the promo signs of him just up in shadow, and it saying "finally." And I just, I just felt it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and I don't know. I probably at the time I didn't realise, but there was something about that moment between you and you, between me and that just, you know, wall of of promo advert. And I kind of knew it was my last, my last WWE hurrah per se. Um, and yeah, to, to kind of end on that note for me, you know, that, that, that will always stay with me.
0: I mean, I think I, I really like seeing Punk and I wouldn't I wouldn't put Punk for me quite at the level of years. It wasn't quite Austin, but he's probably he's he's definitely top ten, maybe top five for me all the time. But I think mm. it's I think this is the thing with wrestling is that I think that wrestling's always better when you have a quote unquote hero to support. And that for me, wrestling's always been whether it been Randy Savage or Bret Hart or Steve Austin and a little bit of Punk, a little bit of Brian Daniel, uh, Daniel Bryan. Um Maybe a little bit Will Osprey now, but not quite at the same level. I think that wrestling's always better when you've got that someone to support and for you. And I, you know, I love The Rock as well. I'm I'm, I'm massively mm-hmm. fond of his body of work. But just just to be there for that that old, like ultra historic moment that you know he's the biggest he's the biggest movie star in the world right now. Seven years on from that, seven and a half years on, um, it's just like yeah, phenomenal moment to see world title his world title. So that is a whistle stop tour of our uh, our american adventures um and we'll put the uh we'll put the x-rated version on uh on pay-per-view at some point lewis as well so mm, no. we roll deep, people. We roll deep. <laughs> so right now we're going into the september 15th 1984 episode of mid-south wrestling so this is episode 262 on youtube so i guess this is the first time you've ever had the pleasure of watching an episode of, of mid-south wrestling i guess is it
1: it is, and it was refreshingly brilliant in the sense that um, a lot of um, the, the the things I, I saw in WWF WWE and beyond, you know, it drew inspiration from that. And even though it was simple and basic, whether it was you know throwing chalk dust in someone's eyes or hitting people with a with a, ta- ta- a table table or chair, they always did it with a bit more flair. Mm. This um, TV is really renowned as being
0: like. And this in this period, some of the best wrestling episodic television. You're talking about forty four minute, forty five minute episodes. Yeah, and I've seen people on Twitter talk about you know they'll binge this all day long because it's it's that it's that good. Um, Mm. So yeah, it's it's very this this is this is during a time where see wrestling is changing massively. This is just what six months before the first WrestleMania. So. this promotion is is still in a really good spot, but will be changing a lot in the coming period. So, so what I'll do, we'll ju- I'll just run through the segments and I'll get your sort of thoughts on on you know what what happened here. So, at the desk is the returning boy Pierce, having been off the last couple of weeks following the passing of his mother. And um, he's decked out in a lovely red suit and red tie. Uh, Bill says it's great to have him back, and they all try to share the tragedy with him. But being Christians, his mother was a Christian as well. She's now in a better place. Bill mm. says that Mid-South fans are true blue people and they proved it with all their kind thoughts and cards. Watt says he's a little embarrassed about what he has to talk about now and they recap the signing for the Tag Team Championship match between the Fantastics and the Midnight Express and the post-match angle when the Midnight Express smashed the Fantastics with a steel chair, which is in violation of the rules. So basically, they introduced a thing recently in Mid-South where if you hit someone with certain weapons, you've mm. you got a fine for it, basically, which is... Yeah. So they're very... Um, very much will explain to you in quite a good amount of granular detail. You know, what are the rules? This is the parameters. If you do this, the rest of will be fine. If you lose this match, you're going to go away for 90 days, et cetera. So they're very, they're stickers for detail, which is really, really good in this promotion. Um, so basically, what's explained that the board in Tampa recommended a very heavy fine um, but then they went on. A, Bill Watts went on a rant about how everything in America is in black and white, and there's litigation, etc. And he alludes to the fact that Jim Cornette is querying the fine, which hasn't been decided upon yet. And um, we then get a full recap of the angle from last week. Um did you catch how heavy duty those chair shots were in this uh, in this angle? Yes,
1: yes, yeah. I did.
0: And those guys were really tough, definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. They they really laid this in. So back at the desk, Watts goes through, goes back through the rules that were enforced a few weeks ago. And we actually get screenshots with the words spelling out these rules with the Mid-South logo in the background, which is pretty revolutionary graphics for 1984 here. And mm. this made this feel very official and important. And, and that's actually quite a nice touch. And they then cut to a pre-tape with Cornet. And he says it's so easy to make fools out of the Mid-South lawyers because his mother's lawyers are so much better. He says, as usual... Uh, Mid-South are trying to protect their favourites. He says they can't find him because he didn't do anything. Plus, they can't find Bobby because he didn't bring the chair into the ring and he didn't hit someone during a match. He wants a hearing, and he also adds that he's going to sue Hacksaw Jim Duggan because of the reason as to why he's wearing a mask. And he says he'll always have the last word. So what did you think of this uh, this promo here from Jim Cornette?
1: I thought it was Jim Cornette in his, you know, um Era, his, his his moment of glory or an example of him yes. in his glory or at his absolute best. I haven't seen that side of him because I think by the time I'd got to him which was I suppose mid-attitude era um, where he kind of popped on my radar um, I was like who is this guy I don't really get it oh I get it now if that's how he kind of came on the scene it makes perfect sense. The technicality of of um the promotion, that um, play of, you know, how he would get around it. It was it was almost like law, but it yes. was done in such a concise and simplified way. Anyone can understand it. And, and I actually thought, I've not seen this in WWE with an exception of the contract signing, like those technicalities where people could just beat one another up and get away from it. Or maybe Vince or Stephanie, whether it's the authority or them as general owners, or managers saying we're going to fine you or you're going to be suspended. I would love a character who, who's um, a heel, who's trying to break through, come out with something like that and even cite that.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah.
1: The great Jim Cornett once said, blah, 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 and I'm going to pull a, you know, a quill out of his hat and hit you with the same, my lawyers. But like, it's almost like, to be fair, the wrestlers of today, they probably do... Approach creative with such ideas, but maybe there's a lot of technicalities, copyright, um, and they don't just not understanding wrestling, probably. That's what the I'm main saying, problem. yeah, because for me, the, the, there's so many tropes in wrestling which which work, have always worked, and, and, and are simple but effective. And I think that to try and make things fresh, they, they'll deviate from it. And one thing, just to um, touch on it, has always been this Sunday, like the attitude era, and just after. I remember Shawn Michaels using that a lot when you know they're cutting a promo, because the main event would often happen on a Sunday night or yep. wherever it was, and you'd say, and you know Stone Cold, this Sunday the heart the heartbreak, Kitchen Michaels is going to crack you, crack your head like an egg or whatever it was. Like that's never used. Like why are they not pushing the date of the promotion or when it is? That um, you know it would only help. So all props to Cornet for being one of the um, one of the pioneers. So it's probably
0: hard for you for you to tell in this actually because he had a mask on. And I just thought of that as I was about to ask you this question. But how old do you think Cornet was in this? 27, 28, bordering 30? 23. He was about to turn 24. Wow. Yeah. And that's the thing. We talked about this earlier on about NXT and like what if the rock came in on now? One of the big problems that WWE have got is they don't push anyone young. So no 23-year-old manager is getting a chance on nationwide TV for anybody. Uh, maybe that's unfair. Certainly not WWE. Jim Cornette, 23 years old and he's, wow. like, McIntyre, the champion, here, is like 25, 26. It's, you know, it's just a different world where you've got, you know, a lot of the guys in the WWE now in the main roster all mid to late 30s if not early 40s. So it's just like, and they they they're losing young viewers as a result of that. So that's that's mm. the difference. And um, there's not some I don't uh, there's not so much perhaps on this show, but this crowd, the demographic. There's lots of lots of young women in the crowd as well. So there's lots mm. of there's lots of wrestlers that are the classic babyface. Guys want to be them. Guys want to be with them kind of thing. And that is a thing that's really really prominent in this promotion. Um, mm. So back at the desk, Watts goes through the uh, back through the rules that were informed. Oh, I've gone through that already, so I'm going to skip forward. Uh, Watts says that Cornette is trying to twist everything, and they hope to have an answer within the next two weeks about his sanctions. Um, After the break, Watts says that there's no doubt there's a new king of the hill in Mid-South, and that's Butch Reed. It used to be JYD, and we see him on USA Network, and on Ted Turner's station in Atlanta, and you see him in a lot of places. But astute wrestling fans would be able to pick up that the competition he's facing is nothing compared with what he was facing in the Mid-South area, like Reed, who ultimately made him crack. So basically, to recap this, the Junkyard Dog, the top star in the promotion for many years, has just left Mid-South to join the WWF. And Watts is just devastated about it, clearly. So, so JYD was one of their top draws, a huge mm. superstar in the South and the areas that these, these guys promote. So, yeah, real, real big news then. Um, we then get a video package with Reed working out and smashing out some bench press, um, and then we get some old footage of the dog being tarred and feathered from May that year, plus him being attacked on Memphis television, and the same happening again. Um, I mean, this has really been put together to show JYD in the worst possible light, getting attacked and not being able to do anything about it. Um, we also get J- the JYD's loss in the Superdome. Um, which actually had a really negative impact on business at the time with people in the area actually speculating that JYD had taken a dive in this contest. So they thought that Mid-South Wrestling was real, or, or most of it was real. Um, I shouldn't say they all. A, a big proportion of the audience probably thought this was somewhat legit. Um, and actually they speculated that JYD had somehow lost this match, and but, but not genuinely. Um, what do you think of this recap of uh, JYD here in terms of the kind of Job they did on him uh, in terms of showing him weak this guy's left left of motion shown quite quite weak
1: yeah, so i didn't um clock a lot of what you've said i wasn 't aware of it because although i followed w w e sorry w w f um in the kind of late eighties, um, this kind of preceded that whereby. Yes i you know i I kind of came into wrestling and saw Junkyard dog as a, a mid car if if that on w w f as opposed to being the star he was um in this promotion and 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 his exit or them trying to cover his exit by by kind of putting him down as such mm-hmm. and trying to put over the guys who were left like they brought in um That big black guy—I forget his name.
0: Yeah, Master G is going to come up in the next uh, next segment. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, even that, like him and Reed, like in that little skirmish. I thought that was terrible, to be honest. It was just them bouncing off the ropes and punching, and you know, on the back up again and punching. And I would probably say that for the forty-five minutes or so that I watched of that episode, that was probably the worst. Um, the worst segment be- mm. because you know me, I'm all about wrestling. I like the you know the proper stuff, and watching a few of the other guys operate was was far more entertaining and shows that they could work at that level. But but I but I, I got it. It's just a blindside. But um, so so Watts was yeah, not-
0: very big on uh, he he wanted a. Uh, a top black baby face. And this isn't isn't something that just was a mid-south thing. It was also WCW. I don't even remember. Do you remember Ron Simmons winning the world title in WCW? Yeah, yeah, yeah That yeah, was yeah. Bill, that was Bill Watts. Bill Watts was the booker at the time. So that so that was a real thing that um Watts pushed hard. And, and actually over Master G, uh, George Wells, we'll get on to a second, is the first one, but actually eventually he turns Butch Reed face to try and fill that role that JYD. Departed basically. So that was a big thing that, you know, what's used to drive crowds in, in, in the area. And um, so, yeah, after the break, we get Butchery going up against Brickhouse Brown um, with Jim Ross, our ring announcer. Reed basically calls him outhouse Brown, shouts him to come down. There's no, there's no, no one's coming down basically. And then eventually this, this big gentleman comes down. Um, and this guy fires, punches at Reed and Reed is busted wide open. And um, the crowd didn't seem to know what to make of this. And uh, this was actually the debut of George Wells, um, who became known in, in the South, as we said, as Master G and would later have a run in the WWF, including a losing effort to Jake the Saint Roberts at WrestleMania two, um, Brickhouse Brown. This is odd because Brickhouse Brown was someone that had been popular over the last few weeks. I thought it was quite odd that they used someone that was popular, even though relatively new. He didn't. He didn't show up for no reason, which is unusual for Mid South to leave that sort of leave that gaping hole. And um, mm. after the break, Ross uh, is with the man who attacked Reed, and he says he's, no, he's known as Master G, um, and he's heard around the he's heard all around the world about um, Mid South wrestling. He was supposed to wrestle in Madison Square Garden that night, which is a clear dig out of the World Wrestling Federation. But he yeah, gave that up. To, <laughs> yeah, he gave that up to 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 wrestle in Mid South. Um, he may have been able to run the junkyard dog out of town. That's Reed, but this dog is here to stay. I actually thought Wells was pretty good
1: on the promo here. What did you think of this uh, this yeah. interview? I thought it was indicative of the time. You know, they were all pretty good at. Promos, really, like everyone I heard cut a promo in that in that um episode, were, you know all very capable uh, and i and I thought um he was quite quite clear, loud, and slow talking and very to the point, uh, and I was like, you know, good on you, you know he he wants to come in and or they want to sell it as though he's coming in and wants to be the top dog. I like the way he said that he's going <laughs> to. Start with the with the, the top dog and work his way down. That was really cool.
0: Yeah, I thought he was yeah. decent. I thought he had a bit a bit of charisma, but he didn't do much. I, I, he had a bit of a run in mid south that I haven't seen. So the, the thing for me, is I haven't, I know some of the things that happen, but I haven't seen what happens next. So I'm watching mm-hmm. this as it as it goes. Um, but he didn't do much in the, the WF thereafter. But um, what says that he got his attention? He knows that he got Reed's attention too. Uh, what says that ZZ Topper, are a fantastic group? And Joel has put together some great videos. So Joel is his son. Um, ZZ Top live in Houston and met with the Fantastics and they complimented them about those music videos that they've appeared in. And they're even better than those on MTV. And Joel has now put together a new video set to Gimme All Your Loving. Um, So this starts with the Fantastic doing high fives. They're strutting by a pool and they're cheersing with some drinks. There's a really impressive backflip off a diving board. There's various shots of them in the ring. Then they're out in the crowd with some ladies. More high fives and in action. Rogers is saying hello to a small child and then he appears in what is, he appears to be in what is a sunbed. They're having a great time by the pool, working out again in their trunks, which they must stop. So they had a, a video a few weeks ago where they were just in a gym with just their resting trunks on, which is a little bit, yeah, not the best video, shall we say. Uh, <laughs> Rogers is in a hot tub with a glass of red, I suspect it's a Malbec, back to some crowd shots, holding up the Stars and Stripes flags. Uh, flag. They're on some lilos in the pool, chilling out. They're strutting by the pool again, and we are out. I thought this was fantastic. So Mid South is really, really famous for these videos they put together. Yeah. And and if you remember, this is early MTV days. So this is music videos are a new thing. So what did you think of this? What this one overall here?
1: Again, I thought it was also fantastic, and I thought that some of the the early promos I saw pre Attitude era. Um Were slightly indicative of that. One thing you you didn't mention, which I thought was was a CAF, was um, them sitting on their Corvette and then like the the close up of the like Corvette written on the license plate and the strut across the pool, the double strut was very um, Rick Flair yes, style of yeah. and profiling. And I and I just love that era. It was an era when, even though a lot of us wrestling fans were naive to the concept of. The predetermination it was just it was exciting the crowd were exciting the moves were all very slick and yeah almost like very very brett the hitman heart i don't know people were over
0: weren't they people got reactions yeah. it mattered
1: got reactions yeah. it mattered and it was all it was all very slick and very hard hitting um i, I would say that anyone trying to break through in wwe especially could do themselves a favor and look at those promotions.
0: Yeah, big time for all
1: aspects. You know, in ring, on mic, um, and I, f- I felt it was very refreshing and a bit like those people who you've cited. I would happily, if I had the time, sit down and watch that, that stuff. That's like the golden era stuff for me.
0: This is the thing. I think that um, what this television show is all about is dri- driving you, Lewis, me, Stephen. Okay, they've got a show down the road, and we want to, and it's going to be fantastic. For some Midnight Express. Are you going to buy a ticket after the after the has got smashed in the head with a head with a steel chair? See their tag team title match. Yes, I am. And this is pro, this is pro wrestling, and that is what sometimes AEW have been around since since well, in terms of their weekly television, since October last year. And all they've pretty much done with the odd bad show, but most of their shows are never worse than six out of ten. And all they've done is. Pretty much solid pro wrestling. Nothing incredible. Nothing revolutionary. Solid pro wrestling. And there's a, there's a market for that. And I think that's um, that's where you get too far away from. If you've got twelve people in a room writing for, and I'm just I'm just plucked his name, a Kofi Kingston or. You know, mm. a Dolph Ziggler. If you've got people writing for these people, and you're not in control of your own creative destiny, or somewhat in control, and people that are receptive, that know what pro wrestling is, and have the trust in you to go out there and cut a promo, then you're never—it's never, never going to work mm. um, because I mean, the guys please. aren't good enough actors to start off with. They're not good. The guys yeah. aren't. They might be natural. You're a charismatic guy. You could probably go out there. And, if you were a wrestling character, you might be able to go out there and cut a half decent promo. But I'm telling you, if I gave you five pages to recite, you—you you might struggle with that. And then yep. I'd, you'd come back to me and i will give you a bollocking because you didn't do the, well, mm. point point eight of that. You didn't do it the way I wanted to. You didn't express it the right way. That's mm. not the way it should be.
1: Well, I think like The Rock was, when he was a heel, he had such great psychology that he was able to, he was just able to work so well in ring that he would create those crowd moments. And I think that the writers probably just, Took a foot off the pedal and just said, Oh, he,
0: he, he would have had Brian Kowitz, who, who, who works with him in his other stuff, and they would have mm. done some bullet points and it'd be all up to him.
1: That's basically. it. Yeah. You, yeah. You, took the, you took the words out of my mouth, bullet points. You, you want something to refer to, you don't want to streamline it so much so that you get the odd occasion. A bit like Roman Reigns, I thought that's what my experience of him was. It's almost like you're trying so hard, and to oh, me, they killed
0: they killed Reigns. They absolutely yeah. killed him with terrible promo work. And he, I mean, I'll tell you what, Reigns had Reigns had everything, everything going for him. He's a, he's a star. He's he's very good in, in ring. Underrated. And they killed him. They absolutely mm, killed him. I mean, with Bad material.
1: The, the the thing for me with Reigns, just to touch on it quickly, he fought, He had a little feud with the Big Show a few years ago, mm. and. When I think it was like Big Show's last real big run before he's, you know, gone part-time/slash semi-retired. And um, just as a gimmick, that's one of the big tropes of wrestling, which I don't think is utilized enough anymore. So you have the Superman punch versus the knockout punch. And then I think like on one raw show, he comes out, Roman Reigns, wearing a shirt which says hit often and 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 hit hard or something like that. And I'm thinking. Is no, is no one going to tap him on the shoulder and say they're mugging you off? Because if it's the Superman punch, it should be like the stunner or the rock yeah. bottom, like in the in the Austin rock era where, you know, they're creeping up on one, and one another and sliding in the ring and, you know, saying almost, I almost had you. Like everyone on the whole roster should fear the Superman punch even more than say a, a, a spear. Like the Superman punch, for Reigns should be what the People's Elbow was for the Rock. Like you don't use it every match necessarily, but when you pull it out, everyone knows. And it should just be that thing. Like, oh my God! A bit like uh, Randy Orton's toe pun. That's the hmm. equivalent. So it, the T-shirt should have been just as a uh, you know as a a sell gimmick on the t T-shirt. It should have been hit once, and you don't get up.
0: Yeah, that's it.
1: Like 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 sell it so that he can taunt and he can limit his mic work. Why do you need someone like Roman Reigns to talk? Shut up, get in the ring and just give everyone a beat down. Almost like that Ron Simmons. uh, uh, What's, I forget his name. Um, uh, JBL kind of, when they were in like the APA, just do the beat down and give him a decent manager. I don't understand. A bit like like they've got it right with Bobby Lashley and MVP. Just let him do the, the muscle work. And, and you can sell him like a hard hitter as opposed to trying to give him all this mic work, all of these things to like say on the mic. He's just going to fumble over himself. And I'm like, ugh. The,
0: th- the thing with Reigns so I- now is he's not coming back until there's a vaccine because he's obviously high risk. Um, oh. And I, I actually think for him that um, I think it's, too, it's probably too late. I think it's too. Late. I think there's too many I think the problem with him now is people don't particularly want to boo him, and I understand that because of the health stuff. But you imagine if you turned him heel after that WrestleMania match with Lesnar or Undertaker two years after that, he would have been the biggest biggest babyface in the world when he came back. But they cocked it up. They used the senior example, and it's a very very different thing. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, right back to uh, Mid South. So so uh, after this uh, promo, we're back at the desk with Watts, and he runs through a list of names and says that every top star anywhere has been through Mid-South at some time or, or another. And in another dig at JYD um, and, the, and, and said that the fans made Mid-South. And um, we've got tag team action Dale VC and Don Saunders and they are going up against the Fantastics and they are out to their ZZ Top theme, sharp-dressed man and out in red jackets, white bow ties and powder blue trunks. Um, this one went just over five minutes with some really good action from the Fantastics and ultimately ended with a Rogers big splash from Middle Rope. What's on commentary said that the Fantastic didn't want the Midnight's to be suspended because they want to be around. They want them to be around so they can get their revenge. And he also mentioned that Rock and Roll Express will be back very soon. What did you think of this match between the Fantastics and Dalvisi and Don Saunders?
1: Brilliant. The the flow of it, the chain wrestling. The, the I'll tell you one thing. Um, one of the um, guys he overshot that splash at the end. And He almost <laughs> hit him. You almost, almost hit him with his crotch and, and, and upper thigh, as opposed to <laughs> you know Eddie Guerrero, for, you know, or RVD uh, perfection. But um, that aside, I thought that the the precision, the the, the tag exchanges, it was all masterful. And yep. I would say that, to be fair to me, even though I'm watching current promotions on YouTube and the highlights, which are a few you know minutes long. I'm not really seeing much from the tag team division um, across the brands or on any other promotions. Like a, I'm not really seeing the tag team wrestling and I'm not seeing it at that level. And it's, it's mad to say that so many years ago, these guys, you can see, were, were, were not just working a match, but the synchronicity between them was just effortless. And, and actually, I'll tell you the last tag team I'll probably say, I saw that level of uh synchronicity, probably um radar okay
0: so back in the back in the day i mean there's a good, there's some decent AEW stuff for tag teams, but i I'm, I'm, I'm maybe uh again it's not you know every single time et cetera but that, yeah. that that's the thing i, I suppose it, i i know what you mean this this was a high quality squash wasn't it with the fantastics and they're they're really really good. Proper tag team, work together, et cetera. Fast tags in and out. And I thought this was really, really good. Actually, at five mm. minutes, it's probably one, getting towards one of the longer matches we get on this on this television show. Um, so we've got Hacksaw, Jim Duggan versus Hercules Hernandez up next. Obviously, two names that went on to uh, start in the WF after they run in Mid-South. Um, and this was from the earlier live event from the Municipal Auditorium in New Orleans. And they're going to explain what happened with Cornette wearing that mask. Um, so there was a situation where Steve Williams ended up as the referee, after two referees had been injured early in the night. Cornette fires powder into the face of Duggan. Um, And this was a match where if Duggan won, Cornette's head would be shaved. So Duggan slammed Hercules into the ring post and he came up bleeding as a result. Duggan had Hercules down after the spear, but Williams dropped an elbow on him and Hercules got the pin. So Cornette then went into the ring and gave Williams some cash, clearly for a job well done. And as Duggan lost, he was supposed to have his head shaved and Hercules called for the barber's chair we see Sonny King out there to make the save and Cornette, grabbed hold of, uh, and Cornette was grabbed hold of as the baby faces surround him. Duggan held down Cornette before he was held in a chair, had shaving foam put all over his head and then had a big style disposable razor really harshly rubbed down his, the sides of his head. Um, and that must have been absolutely brutal, I'd imagine. Uh, and this wasn't the greatest quality camera work or easy to follow, but clears up why Cornette had been wearing a mask in recent weeks to cover, this, to cover basically his haircut up. Okay, Hair cut up, yeah. So what's back at the desk said that Williams is going to have to face Duggan in the future. And um, what do you think of this angle here from the from the house show, basically?
1: Good, but I've, uh, good. But I think that is definitely a um, a pioneer type match slash uh, angle, and I've seen it done better since.
0: Yeah, um, it's difficult I, with the production on this as well. I thought yeah, it, was, I mean, it was a challenge. Um...
1: Before the phone came out, I would I was quite keen to see Duggan in in the, this promotion before WWF because I was never really a fan of his in ring ability. I thought no. his gimmick was fantastic, very all American, um, but I, I actually f- thought that his performance was just rubbish. Um, he didn't do anything. Um, against, I appreciate Hercules is also a big guy, but I, I think I saw Hercules doing a lot more in terms of like you know the in-ring ability than Duggan was, and I just remember thinking I'm not really sure how he ever got as popular as he did. Um, but you know, it's all in the eye of the beholder. And then thereafter, I think that um, the whole angle of him getting his head shaved just shows you how good a manager he was because he was carrying all of that action while like just squirming around in a chair and hoping the guys can, can cut his hair half decent. And I, and I honestly thought of that, that cutting off a few strands, um, you know, with scissors is all, all you ever need in those kind of matches. Yeah. Just because you run the risk of... It's almost like blading in the face, but gone wrong. Oh, I know, yeah. Starts, you don't want that... that- bloody disposable razor chopping your head off.
0: Um, yeah, I, agree I agree with you. It. I think Duggan, for me, has been, apart from against uh, Sakosha Khrushchev, um, smash, demolition smash has just left this promotion. Uh, and he was actually really, really good in the ring and had some good good matches with Duggan. But um, I agree. Hercules Hernandez has looked really, really good in the stuff I've seen of him so far. And Duggan, yeah, not, not up to much in the ring. Um, so after the break, we have Steve Miller and Johnny Mantell uh, versus Hercules Hernandez and Steve Williams. The second time we've seen him Hercules in this show um Johnny Mantell had been on the featured side of things in recent weeks but seems to be firmly on the enhancement talent side in this match um there's a good exchange between Hercules and Mantell early on um, until both men went flying as Hercules tackled Mantell um I thought Mantell looked good uh, early on before tagging out to Steve Miller and Watts says that if you put Mantell with Magnum or Master G then you have a great tag team so I feel a bit sorry for Steve Miller here because obviously Watts doesn't think much of him and um, Watts, again, is talking about how main events in Mid-South have the most pressure on them. Williams ultimately wins this in 2.43 with his Oklahoma Stampede Power Slam. Back to the desk, Watts says that next week they'll have Terry Taylor versus Hercules Sanders, plus Adrian Street, who he says is just a little out there, plus coming soon, and they're coming for Jim Cornette, the Rock and Roll Express, and we get a replay of their I Love Rock and Roll video, which you've seen before, with plenty of cars, standing by jukeboxes, and in-ring action. And unusually, this actually plays out the show and we don't throw back to Bull and Boyd. Um, I love the stuff they do with the Rock and Roll Express. What did you think of this uh, this second video package of the episode?
1: Yeah, I thought it was good. Um, just to touch on that briefly, Williams, whose ring, ring name was Doc something? Doctor Death. I thought that he was actually really good um, in terms of in-ring. Like he did a, like a, an American football kind of charge and that finishing move, like you said. I, I thought he was better than Hernandez, if I'm honest. Um, and also the the, the end promo was just absolute comedy gold. I don't know why they're not... uh, They're using the same format, but kind of live with characters like New Day, like that energy and just general banter. But in terms of Mute uh, and just being a a spectacle, they nailed it. They hit it out of the park. It was absolutely amazing. It was almost like you know Ric Flair disciples or predecessors even um just like styling and profiling it's, it's very much the essence of wrestling as you say men want to be them women want to be with them so yeah it was all good for me
0: so it's funny the, the Rock and Rock, so this Rock and Rock Express before they came into this promotion they they just promoted them in these sort of videos and the first week on television the the place went crazy for them it's like they were. It just works. It just works. The guy, like, it just just completely works. So that's it. The September fifteenth, nineteen 1994 episode of Mid South Wrestling is over. Your debut on Mid South Moments and your first viewing of Mid South Wrestling. So, what did you think of your introduction to this this promotion?
1: Yeah, I. I if I had time, I would watch that kind of stuff because it, it's basic. It's simple. Wrestling isn't difficult, whether it was then or now. And I think, it, I think. As Hulk Hogan once said, you know, you, you feud with a guy for a couple of years. Now it's a week, mm. you know, two weeks, a month max. And I, and I find that um, the, the back and forth can get overcomplicated. This promotion showed that it can be done simply, effective, entertaining, good in-ring ability, managers and wrestlers just as competent as one another on the mic. And generally, a hoot, really, a good blast, a good, a good lot of fun. So, yeah, um, I would recommend it definitely to anyone who's bored of what's what's currently on offer.
0: Yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll definitely have you on in the in the future. Where, are you you're not really are you not a big big on Twitter these days? Are you because I usually usually introduce where people's Twitter Twitter accounts are and where people can follow people if they they want to online. But I'm not sure you're super active in the uh, the wonderful world of Twitter these days. Are you?
1: I, I was in the early years, but I don't know, it just got all a bit, a bit overwhelming for me. I'm over, overwhelmed by a lot of these new <laughs> age apps and whatnot. Even Zoom, I'm still struggling with that. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I need to become more social media active. Um, so that's definitely something we can look to sort out. But um, there's there's too much on offer in the world for me. Well, um, tell you what, so,
0: listeners, Lewis is staying secret. That's it for now. Maybe, maybe we'll get his Twitter active at some point in the future. Well, listen, I really appreciate your time. It's been wonderful doing a bit of a whistle-stop um, trip down memory lane on our WrestleMania trips, and it'd be great to have you on again in the future to re- review another excellent episode of Mid-South Wrestling.
1: Absolutely. I'm, I look forward to it. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you very much for listening to this week's episode. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please head over to iTunes where you can subscribe and perhaps you'll even be kind enough to leave me a lovely five-star review, which would absolutely make my day. If you're interested in guest hosting, please contact me via the Moments Twitter account, which is at MidMoments. And I look forward to speaking to you all again very, very soon.